Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. Our guest today is Lauren Tarshish, an author of children's books, which are in thousands of libraries and have been translated into several languages. Lauren is also the editor of StoryWorks magazine and a new magazine for third graders called StoryWorks Junior. Today, she's going to talk mostly about her New York Times bestselling series, I Survived. Hi, Lauren. It's nice to see you. Hi, Suzanne. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm not even going to welcome you. I know. We, we go old. way, way back. Way, way back. I was thinking how I could explain to our listeners how far back we could go. And I came up with, I knew you when you were pregnant with your oldest son, who is now in medical school. Yes. So that's a long time. 26 years. <laughs> <laughs> that ought to do it. That's done. I think, I think we've made our point. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on to I Survived. So you have 13 books in the series, in the New York Times best-selling series, which I'm very proud about, Thank you. having known you all this time, and two true stories collections. And the 14th work is about the eruption of Mount St. Helens. And where did that idea come from? Well, all of the ideas come from my readers. So I'm very lucky that a lot of the hard work is done for me as the writer of this series because... I get many, many emails from kids, and many of those include amazing ideas for topics. And sometimes I get deluged with one idea, which tells me I need to do that, something like the American Revolution, which is going to be the one after Mount St. Helens. But sometimes one child will suggest an idea that I have never thought of before. And I was, and it I had not received the suggestion to do Mount St. Helens before. And this this child suggested it, and it really shocked me that I had never thought of it before. Yeah. Because it was the deadliest volcanic eruption in American history. It is one of the most destructive volcanic eruptions, most powerful ever recorded. And it happened in 1980, right here in America, in Washington State. And it was a, it was, it was an, a very important event scientifically because until Mount St. Helens, scientists had never studied a volcano before its eruption. So if you talk to any volcanologists, which I'm sure you do yes, frequently, oh, like just tonight, you're going to probably, <laughs> they will tell you that the eruption was incredibly important in terms of what we know about volcanic eruptions today. And I was amazed to learn that before 1980, Scientists had never studied a volcano as it was ramping up towards eruption, and they were able to study every phase of the eruption, the entire aftermath, and the whole area has been put aside as a park dedicated to the study of what happens to a landscape after an eruption. So it's a topic that, like many of my I Survive topics, was filled with surprises, and each one is such a journey, and I really, truly never know where it's going to take me. And I'm always very grateful to the readers who come up with these amazing ideas and set me off. Where did the idea for the I Survived series come from? There are several answers because it was inspired by a few different forces. 
first of all, I have four children and my three sons were not readers. And it was always very challenging to find books for them. And they wanted books that were about really cool, exciting topics. They wanted characters that they could connect to. And they wanted stories that were action-packed and suspenseful. And I found there was sort of a gap for them because they were not eager eager readers between, you know, Magic Treehouse and Lightning Thief. There sort of seemed to be this gap. At the same time, I've been the editor of StoryWorks magazine for 21 years. And as editor, I also write most of the stories, including the centerpiece of every issue, which is a big narrative nonfiction story, usually about a real child going through a real historical event. And it was it struck me over the years that those were the stories that got the most positive response from teachers and students. So I started to wonder why there wasn't already a book series that illuminated these fascinating historical events, disasters, and battles from the perspective of a child the same age as our readers. It was really those two forces. And could you tell our listeners about StoryWorks and about the new StoryWorks Junior? StoryWorks is a beautiful multi-genre magazine that focuses on really high-interest, complex, important nonfiction stories. And we just recently crossed our one million reader milestone. So we have one million readers. And in many classrooms, it's actually used as the core reading program. We have so much. Our content is is so robust, as we say. And then we provide an enormous amount of support materials. So that has been, that is just a joy. And the team that I work with is incredible. And we we love, we're wild about what we do, <laughs> truly. And the StoryWorks Junior. Yes. Third to sixth grade teachers order StoryWorks. It's perfect for fourth and fifth graders. And I actually discouraged third grade teachers from ordering it, but there was such a demand and need for a resource that had short fiction, really great nonfiction, plays, poetry. So many teachers in third grade were using StoryWorks, even though it really was too hard for their students. And I was getting so many requests for a younger version of the magazine over many years. So we finally decided to, to create StoryWorks Junior, which is launching officially in this fall of 2016. And we've had a prototype issue that has been circulating all around classrooms this spring. And we've just, we've been using, we've really almost crowdsourced this magazine because all of these teachers who are looking at it and communicating with us are telling us how to improve it to create really the perfect resource for the third grade classroom. And that's what we're doing now with our September issue. That's amazing. Plus the pivotal year of third grade and reading. I think this will be such a useful tool. It is. We we learned so much about third grade. I never understood what a high stakes year it was for teachers and students. And I think it's 14 states now retain students who don't pass Mm -hmm. their reading tests. 80%, I think, is the Pew, Pew study figure of high school dropouts can trace their reading problems back and their struggles back to third grade. So we were, not only was it something the teachers really wanted, but we started to understand that there was an area of really tremendous need from the standpoint of literacy. Yes, yes. That's fantastic that you did that. Getting back to I Survived, you talked about your three sons. You also have a daughter, but the protagonists in the first 13 books are all boys. Why is that? The original idea for I Survived, I had written two novels, Emma Jean Lazarus Fell Out of a Tree and the sequel, 
with a girl main character, and I was actually planning to write a third when I had the idea for I Survived. And I was always struck by the fact that my, at the time I didn't have a daughter yet, but my friends who had girls seemed to have a much easier time finding girl books. Uh So my idea for I Survive was very much to write four little, simple historical fiction books for boys and then move back to Emma Jean. That was my plan. I never imagined that it would go past four books. I thought they'd be incredibly easy. I thought each one would take me a few months, and I thought the entire project of I Survive would be about a year. And at the same time, you know, after a few of them were published, I really get an enormous number of emails and letters from parents and teachers of boys telling me that this is a series that really resonates with these readers, particularly struggling readers. Mm -hmm. And even as the series was growing, I was starting to feel like, uh uh-oh, I I was feeling badly about not featuring girl main characters because I was simultaneously getting emails from girls like, hey, what about us? You know, aren't we really courageous? Aren't we resilient? And I would write back to them and I would say, well, you know, it was because really it was for my, for my boys and you see my sons. It was really, and they were like, we don't care. We want to be on the cover of one of your books. So I really didn't want to abandon those boys and their teachers and their librarians until the outcry from the girls became so ridiculous that it just, I had to do it. And what was really interesting to me is that the experience of writing the books from the boy and the girl point of view was there was no difference at all. And really the series isn't about boys or girls. It's about humans Mm -hmm. and our capacity to, to go through very challenging experiences to eventually hopefully heal and grieve and move forward in a resilient way. So I was really, I I don't think it's going to make any difference to my boy readers at all. And they've promised me Uh, (laughs) that it won't. uh, So, because I do, I do still feel my work on StoryWorks within the magazine division and on I Survive, I really do feel, not to be grandiose, but I I do feel a little bit of a mission mm -hmm. to create stories for kids who, who don't consider themselves readers and to create stories that are going to reach struggling readers or disengaged readers and give them stories that feel important and fascinating to them. And I think most educators would agree that there are more boys that fit that category. And you weave in science, of course, with sharks and the Titanic and all, as you said, the volcano, that sort of thing. But also on the subject of trauma, life has its traumas, it has its losses, and that's something that children need to learn how to to go on after a really what seems like a life-shattering, life-ending event. And your books help see them to the other side. That's got to be a painful struggle for you, an odyssey through each book. Tell us a little bit about the psychological process you go through. I think that even if we're fortunate to live in America, in you know, here we are you know, in our lovely office at Scholastic, um, we all know that we are going to face grief, tragedy, hardship, struggle, failure. It's just a part of our lives. And one of the things I realized as I was starting to write the series, if you get to the end of my books, it's never just like, okay, it's over now. Let's move on with our lives. I think it's very important for us to, as a society, appreciate that grief and struggle is a part of our human experience and that we don't simply get over things, that we grieve we struggle. We look to our friends and our family to help us through these really difficult times. 
And it often does take a long time to recover from a trauma. Mm -hmm. So I do find it interesting that I get emails from kids who have experienced trauma in some really significant ways, and they feel connected somehow mm -hmm. to the kids that I'm writing about. And it's been, it's, it's actually been a really interesting and extremely intense, emotionally intense aspect of the series to have the connections with many of these kids and their families over many years. I would think. Yeah. I would think. And it's satisfying too. I mean, mm -hmm. it's part of what makes it meaningful to me. Yeah. We had Sonia Manzano on um, a few months ago and she wrote Becoming Maria. She was, of course, the star of Sesame Street. And she said, the struggles of childhood, it's not about overcoming them. Right. It's about incorporating yes. them to make them, you know, stronger and who you are. Yes. We are going to have an play an audio clip of your work. But I also wanted you to read, if you wouldn't mind, the first several paragraphs of the Joplin Tornado 2011. Something struck me about this that I wanted to ask you about. Okay. And did I tell you how this book came about? No, please do. And this is sort of speaks to what we were talking about earlier in that when a lot of times kids ask me, which is my favorite I Survive book? And I always say, oh, I don't have a favorite because all the kids feel so real to me and I do so much work on each one. But then I admit to them that the Joplin book was a really powerful and wonderful experience to write it because the idea came from people from Joplin, kids and teachers and parents who wrote to me about the EF5 tornado that hit that city mm -hmm. in 2011. And at first I was really reluctant to, it, it, it didn't seem right because I didn't go through this event. It was very, it, it just happened and it's a small city. Um, but I ended up going there and connecting with the librarians from the elementary schools and really developing a, a just a it kind of, the place kind of grabbed hold of my heart in a particular way. You know, and then I went back there and Scholastic yes. donated a copy of this book for every single third, fourth, and fifth grader in Joplin. Oh, my. So it was really, it's been a great experience to be connected to that city. So, okay, I will read it. Thank you. Chapter 1, Sunday, May 22nd, 2011, 5.42 p.m., Joplin, Missouri. A monster EF5 tornado was destroying the city of Joplin, Missouri, and 11-year-old Dexter James was in its killer grip. The tornado had snuck up on the city, hiding behind a wall of storm clouds. Few knew it was coming, and nobody imagined that within minutes it would kill 158 people and destroy much of the city. In the hours before, Joplin had hummed with happy life. Cheers rose up from Little League fields. Gardens bloomed with roses and wild strawberries. Churches echoed with prayers and hymns. It was a typical Sunday afternoon until the day turned dark and the wind began to howl. Beautiful. I This happened in 2011. I was thinking if I were a child reading this, it it's almost like the Hindenburg or Pearl Harbor or something that had happened in the distant past, and yet it's part of our own lives. I just found how you were able to write it in that way is so magical to me. Wow. I think that one of the things that really struck me about Joplin, we are the most tornado-prone country on earth, mm -hmm. and every year there are to tornado strikes. And what made, I felt that it is a really quintessentially American story because that city Obviously, many people are still struggling with the aftermath yes. of what happened there emotionally, financially, in all different ways. But the resilience that is a part of the story of Joplin, when people tell the story of what happened, there's strong religious faith and strong family ties. Many people grew up there. In Joplin, it's very much 
part, I think we Americans like to see ourselves in this resilient way. Uh-huh. It captures that part of our... The can-do yes, spirit. Yes, <laughs> our spirit. And it yes. was very palpable there. Yeah, the community. Now, the protagonist, Dex, where did you draw him from? I did not base him on any of the kids that I met or I stories see. that I received. He really, all the story, all the characters, surprisingly though I discover amazing people in my research, everything that happened to Dex is, you know, something that's sort of somehow inspired by something that happened in the Joplin tornado. But he's really created from scratch because one of the challenges of writing this these, this series is that the characters really have to seamlessly connect to the plot. And all of my characters enter the stories, in fact, already missing something or coping with something difficult. So in Dex's case, he's coping with the fact that his brother is in the special forces and he's in Afghanistan and Dex is coming to grips with the fear he feels for his brother. The creation of the character is like, it's, it's a painstaking, agonizing process that is definitely the most challenging part of writing the series. The books are a model of clarity. I have to say, E.B. White would be so proud. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what he thinks, Suzanne. (laughs) I I doubt. I think he'd be. I I don't know if he'd approve. But like no, (laughs) no extra word. A a college. Well, I do want to keep. I want to keep them very. I want to keep them short and accessible for those struggling readers. I have a specific word count in Mm -hmm. mind for every single chapter because I want kids to feel as though they're doable, that you can pick this book up and no matter what kind of reader you are, it's something that you'll be able to. It's conversational. Yeah, yeah. And how many drafts do you go through? Oh my gosh, my poor editor, Nan Mercado. We have so little time to do these books. I only have six months and Nancy, my editor, is extremely generous with me in giving me every minute of our production schedule that I need to get these done. We're talking, we're in conversation during the process, but I'm rewriting constantly. And this last book on Mount St. Helens, which I thought was going to be super easy because I actually first decided to write about it for StoryWorks when I got the idea from this wonderful reader. And so I'd done all this research and I was, I felt like, okay, this is just going to be the easiest of all. Well, I wrote one partial draft that was ridiculous, was really terrible it had a lion in it. I will not say anymore. Oh Nan was like, I don't know about that lion. <laughs> then I wrote another, I wrote a half new draft that we liked well enough, but I didn't feel it was right because the character didn't come from the area of I the see. Pacific. I wanted her to be in a plane because I wanted her to witness the eruption from an airplane. I thought that would be the coolest view, but it just didn't work. So I started from scratch again. So that's just a constant, constant mm-hmm. distilling and rewriting. Tell us when that comes out. That comes out, I believe, in August. And what is the name of the female protagonist? Her name is Jess. She is. I actually asked kids to help me name her. And they were very good about um, thinking of names that were popular in the 1980s, <laughs> in the early 1980s. And actually, though, I chose, and they gave me some great names. In fact, the one name, I she's a, she, one of the characters in the book, was the name was suggested by a reader. She's not the villain, but she's a girl that is a little bit of a problem for Jess. But her name is Missy. Ooh. And I remembered that I knew many Missies. You did too, right? It's not a name that you really hear anymore. But Jess is really named after my Aunt Jessie, who died oh. a couple of years ago. She was my grandmother's sister. She was a tough, tough, 
four foot 11 broad who completely could have, you know, managed a volcanic eruption in her life. So (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's great. Now, what's your next topic? The next one we're going to do is on the American Revolution. And how did that come about? It came about many kids have requested that topic. And it's been something that we've talked about doing since the very beginning of the series, but it's been very challenging to figure out it, the the Revolutionary War went on for 13 years. It's it, a lot of the the events that are the like the most famous, the yes. ones that we know about, like the Boston Massacre and Valley Forge, um, Lexington and Concord. In researching those episodes, they didn't really lend themselves to an I Survive book, and they weren't going to be able to let me tell the entire story of the war. So I've been really delving into the research to try to figure out the best way to do it. And I'm thinking now, and this might change, but I'm particularly excited about the possibility of focusing on New York City, which do you know that more patriots died in prison ships that the British set up in New York Harbor, 10,000, than died in every battle for the entire war. And there is so much history in New York City in the Hudson, in the Hudson River Valley that is that are, these are kind of stories that I never knew about and I think very few kids know about. So my goal for the American Revolution I survived is to really help kids understand the, you know, how truly fascinating and incredible this historical period was and to hopefully make them aware of some of the aspects of the story that, that they don't know, that they're that aren't commonly taught in schools. Giving them a narrative, as yeah. we both know, yeah. is so helpful in absorbing the historical details. Yes, so I'll be delving into that. Now, on a slightly more sensitive and closer topic, I remember after the Boston Marathon bombing three years ago that you almost immediately were hearing from young readers wanting you to write about that event did you decide not to? I think that 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 event affected a very small number of people. And I feel that it's there. I would, you know, at this point, particularly, Mm -hmm. it's not a story that I feel comfortable telling. Kids are fascinated by it. And they they are, I get that's, that's one of the top events. I think that one of the things I I understand, and we've, we talked about this a lot, the two of us about Mm 9-11, that kids understand that these are the events that are shaping their world. They're very curious about them. And I think one of the goals of my series is to create almost a safe, siloed story that enables them to understand the event in a way that is not overwhelming to them. Mm -hmm. So I think that more time needs to go by for us to really understand where the Boston Marathon bombing fits into our history. You know, it's it's still very fresh. But I am amazed. I was just talking to Nancy today about the number one requested topic every single day at every single school visit to my astonishment. Can you guess? Sandy Hook? Well, that, that luckily... That's fading okay. from people's mind, which is wonderful. I mean, not, not that we want to ever forget, yeah. but for our children, yeah. that luckily is not looming large anymore. Of course, in the aftermath, it was deluged with requests for that. But it's Hiroshima, oh, which I find really surprising that so many kids know about this. I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine, but I couldn't imagine writing yes. about 9-11 or the Holocaust or some of these other events, I do think that helping kids explore these history-shaping mm-hmm. events, it's kind of part of the series, but I'm not sure 
you know, some of these events are just are so intense that maybe they just don't belong in the series. I mean, yeah. it's a it's an ongoing conversation that we have on the team and then with a lot of librarians and teachers that are part of our world. Well, I would encourage you to go for it. I remember I was so poignant for me. You know, my brother was killed on 9-11 and you came to me and asked, really, can I write this? Should I write it? I'll never forget that day. It was so sweet of you to do that. And now my brother's children and the children of our town where so many were lost, they're in their early mid-20s. They're out in the world singing and doing great things, but all of them talk about how shattering that moment was and how it affected the town and the kids growing up and how angry many of them were. So having books like these, you know, I wish I Survived had been in their hands then. You were such a a guide for all of us in the aftermath of that horrible, that horrible event. All right, well, let's leave it there. We don't want to become a (laughs) mutual admiration society. Thank you, Lauren. What a pleasure. Now, here's a clip from book one, which is called I Survived the Hindenburg Disaster. Thursday, May 6, 1937, 7.25 p.m., Lakehurst, New Jersey. In seconds, the Hindenburg would explode. The greatest flying machine ever built would burst into flames. It would crash to the ground in a heap of twisted metal and smoldering ash. Just minutes before, 11-year-old Hugo Ballard had been standing at the airship's huge windows. After a three-day journey across the Atlantic, the Hindenburg was about to land. But then came the massive explosion. Kaboom! On the ground, hundreds of people had gathered to watch the landing. Now they stared in horror as the great airship erupted into a massive fireball. And inside the crippled airship, Hugo was in a fight for his life. Thanks again to my friend Lauren for joining us. And congratulations to her on her next book in the series, I Survived the Eruption of Mount St. Helens. And thank you for joining us and for sharing in our mission at Scholastic, where we believe that the right book in a child's hands can open a world of possible. Special thanks to producer Megan K. Safer, sound mixer and editor Daniel Jordan, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time. 